Hello, and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and ideas for how to build happier habits into your daily life. This week is a very special episode. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, whose comments and questions I always want to hear. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft. I am a TV writer and producer living in LA, and Gretchen, I'm calling from my new office at my new job, (laughs) working again on a show called The Family for ABC, which will be out mid-season, so I'll be talking about that, but today I'm very excited for our very special episode. So this is this very special episode is to celebrate the fact that we've got to 20 episodes. Big Yay. milestone. We need Yay. a sound effect for that. <laughs> very exciting. And so to celebrate this milestone, um, we really wanted to turn the spotlight on our listeners because we've had such amazing response from our listeners. Um, and so we called out for comments. We asked people, first of all, to comment on if they could change one aspect of a relationship, what would they change? And it could be something huge or trivial. It could be with anybody, with a sweetheart, a teacher, a boss, a friend, a sibling, uh, anyone. And we also asked people to call in with their gold stars and happiness demerits. And at the very end of this very special episode, we also have a special request for you, our terrific listeners. So here we go. Hi, my name's Chelsea. I'm from Northampton, Massachusetts, and I would say if there's one thing that I can change in my relationship with my boyfriend, who I've been with for three years, I would love to be less controlling. He's an amazing person. He's really great at doing everything. He's very responsible, and yet as soon as he does something wrong, I'm just like, well, you should have listened to me every single time, and I just want to control every little detail of how he does the important things in his life, and even his everyday tasks. So if I could do that, that would be a miracle. Again, love you guys, and thanks a lot. Gretch, before we talk about that, I have an email from a listener who also um, has a comment about her relationship with her loved one. She says, Hi, Gretchen and Elizabeth. I wish it were easier for me to apologize after a fight with my husband. He is usually the one who ends up extending the olive branch. And I realize that this is a pattern that I have, unfortunately, let develop over time. Recently, I forced myself to try out the olive branch myself. And I felt much better once I had found the courage and, well, humbleness to apologize to him. I just dread admitting that I was wrong or that I acted in an overly sensitive or obnoxious or sensitive and obnoxious way. Why is that? And what is the big deal anyway? Well, I mean, the thing that's interesting about these two comments and and is, is, is a theme throughout the comments is how many people suggested how they wanted to change themselves which is so mature. It is. Because the only person we can change is ourselves. You know, it's more fun to think about changing other people, but we can't. And and so many people pointed to changes they wanted to make in themselves. Yeah, and I'm proud of this woman because it sounds like she's already started making the change. And I do think with apologizing, the more you do it, the easier it is. Yeah. Um, and I think we've all had the, I mean, you. I was at your apartment uh, recently and you had a, one of those moments. With Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> you want to tell that story? Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. With over the frittata. That was the great <laughs> frittata incident. 
It was, uh, so Jamie made an absolutely delicious frittata, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And you went to get some and it had onions in it. And you were like, you know, you were like, it has onions in it. You know, I hate <laughs> onions in it. You know, and you were not happy. And we were all just like, uh-oh, Jamie put onions in the frittata. <laughs> and he obviously felt bad. And I think you realized later on that yeah. perhaps you were a little bit harsh <laughs> about the onions in the frittata. Perhaps a little harsh. The but, rest of us thoroughly enjoyed the onions, by the way. But I did apologize. Like eight hours later, I did say to him, I'm very sorry that I was so mean about the onions and the frittata. And I'm sure it made him feel a lot better. And it sure made me feel a lot better because I did completely overreact to the onions. Also, the comment about wanting to be less controlling, again, it shows this like very high level of self-awareness. I mean, to realize that that's, that that's something that you wish you could change in a relationship and you can see how it might be having these harmful effects. But I got to say, Elizabeth, I don't know about you, but when we were like asking people for changes in relationships and we sort of had the prompts like, is it with your sweetheart or a boss or a friend or a sibling or, you know, we went through all the whole thing. I was thinking about I was anticipating that people would provide changes that they wanted to make in relationships that had to do with other people's behavior. But really, everybody did just use it as a tool of self-examination, which, again, I think is very impressive. They were really interesting. Here are a few more examples. Hi, this is Maggie from Pennsylvania. So for me, it is someone who has been in my life since the day I was born. And no, I'm not talking about my mother, although that relationship could probably use some help as well. The person that I'm talking about is myself. And I think that my own negative self-talk and feeling bad about myself, saying things that I would never say to my worst enemy is probably the biggest stumbling block that I have to achieving true happiness. My name is Rose, and I'm calling from Mississippi, and what I would like in my relationship is I would like to learn to be a better communicator. Hello, I'm Adina calling from Burbank, California. I'm an upholder to the, well, I guess to extreme, I make my list. I like to go what I like to do every week. I, I'm an animator, and I want to be a good artist, but... Because of that, I always sacrifice my friends, and I feel like I'm not close to anyone in my life as close as I want to be, and it's the one thing that I want to work on, so I guess that's my thing. Hi, Elizabeth and Gretchen. This is Ashley calling from Denver. My relationship that I'm working on is my relationship with my three-year-old son. I was the most patient, fun parent until he turned two and a half and I had another child. And now having two children has just thrown things out of balance. And I find myself getting so impatient with him and being much more snappish than I ever have been in my life. So I'm trying to, uh, I want to correct that in my relationship and my behavior. Thanks. And we got an email that I have to say really hit home for me. The email is, hi, Elizabeth and Gretchen. You asked what aspect of a particular relationship we would redo. That really spoke to me. 
I wish I could redo the tone of interactions between myself and my husband and my daughter and myself. The tone is often harsh, quick, and direct, almost military style, which sometimes causes a pattern where we speak harsher than we mean, or I find I can't switch voices when I'm interacting with my husband and children. The funny thing is that I don't talk like that to my son because he is quieter and more gentle of speech. And Gretchen, that came from Allison in Ontario, Canada. This really hit home for me because this is something that I work on all the time uh, is to just have a more gentle tone and to keep a sense of humor, keep a sense of perspective, underreact to problems. Apparently, like I make this very mean face, which every <laughs> member of my family, uh, you know, acts like is this terrifying specter. So I really th- this is a this is a change in a relationship that I that I have to work on all the time myself, too. One thing that's funny about being your sister, Gretchen, as opposed to someone else, you know, another family member. <laughs> is I find your anger amusing um, and your mean face I find it amusing which then I laugh and then you get even madder yeah, I know. <laughs> that's why it never gets to me because I just whatever you're whatever you're doing I just find it funny yeah you just yeah and which makes me just hopping mad <laughs> now another one hi this is Tracy from Denver Colorado I'm calling about a relationship that I'd like to change with my little sister We've got a distance in age, and I have this tendency to really desire credit for the advice that she takes of mine to good end. I can't get past needing a verbal pat on the back for credit. I haven't been able to squelch it. Advice, please. Oh, man, I feel this because I am such a gold star junkie. Like, I so want that gold star. I so want credit. And I know the how difficult it is to give up that need for credit. And that, again, is something that I struggle with all the time because it's absolutely true. Saying I told you so is not a great idea. Waiting around for people to break into applause or to tell you how much they appreciate your words of wisdom, you know, it's not going to happen usually. And so I respond first by always reminding myself that I'm doing it for myself. So if I'm making a suggestion or I'm doing some good work, I just say like, well, I'm doing it because that's what I want to. I'm not expecting somebody to act in a certain way. And I also load myself with good star, gold stars and will say like, oh, Gretchen, that's a gold star for you for doing this or that was excellent, which is not nearly so satisfying to give them to yourselves, but it, it helps a little bit, I find. But I, I certainly, I know the feeling. Being the little sister in the equation, as we were just saying, I try to give you gold stars because I know that you crave them. So hopefully I do give you credit for when you help me. And you give me credit for when I help you. I'll say that too. Well, yeah. And I think it actually helps to say you get a gold star for that. Like to just be that explicit about it or like, you know, well done or that was amazing. But you do do it. And I do appreciate that very much. And I do try to do it for other people, partly because I know how important it is for me. Uh, Now, how about you? What did did anything that you hear uh, hit home for you? There was a caller who, who said something that I unfortunately did relate to. Let's listen. Hi, my name is Karen from New Jersey, and I was calling because my problem is that sometimes I can come off as a know-it-all, and I want to try and work on that with my most of my relationships because I want to not be that way. Thanks. Yeah, Gretch, I totally relate to this because sometimes I just have a need to just continue 
to argue a point, whether I truly believe in it or not, just because I want to be right and I want to win the argument and I want to be what she said and know it all. And I'll, yeah. and if, if there's a dispute over a point and I think I'm right, I'll sort of, I might Google it to prove that I'm right. Or I might sort of chime in about information that I have a vague sense of, but I'll try to sound like I know what I'm talking about just for the sake of it. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know if it has something to do with being in like writer's rooms all the time where you're ah. you're always trying to fight for your idea or what. Whenever I hear myself doing it, unfortunately, it's usually after I've already done it, I'm like, oh, why did I do that? I'm such a bore. I'm so obnoxious. So I am trying to be mindful of that and to just like let myself hang back in a conversation as opposed to being a, um, you know, overbearing know-it-all. So I relate to Karen and she and I can share that struggle together. This is something that like, if you've been to law school, like if you have even the slightest aspect yeah. of it in your personality, <laughs> will become very amplified. So you and I have both been in professions that will definitely bring out that side. Yes. Oh, and Elizabeth, this reminds me of one of my favorite scenes in that fantastic movie, Broadcast News, um, where the character played uh, by Holly Hunter talks about uh, this issue. You're just absolutely right. And I'm absolutely wrong. It must be nice to always believe you know better. To always think you're the smartest person in the room. No, it's awful. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers, so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash happier. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. Okay, so fair's fair. Everyone's been opening up in these amazing comments. Um, now we have to say what we would do if we were going to try to change an aspect of a relationship. So, Elizabeth, if you'd call in, what would what would you have talked about? What 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 aspect of a relationship would you change? Well, I did not talk about changing myself, unlike a lot of our listeners, very mature listeners. Uh, what I want to change is okay. Adam and I are different in that. I want to talk about something, an issue of any kind at length, and he does not. And I think it's a fairly typical male-female thing. But for instance, we've been dealing with like fertility for the last two years. Yeah. I was, I've yeah. been trying to get pregnant. I have a five-year-old and I would love to have another baby. And it's gotten to a point where clearly it's not going to happen with just us. Um, even with intervention, like if we're going to have another baby, we're either going to um, have to use an egg donor, we're going to or adopt. 
Um, or we could just stay and have just Jack. He's wonderful. And there's a lot of advantages to just having one kid. Right. So my issue is like, I want to talk about each of those possibilities for like five hours minimum. You know, I want to say, what would this look like? What would that look like? What does it cost? What's the age difference between Jack and this potential child? Like, how old am I? How old are you? I just want to get into the minutia. And he does not. He just, you want a summit meeting, like I, yes, yeah, exactly. like let's go to a let's go to a hotel and like you know clear our decks and get out pads of paper, pro, pros and cons list, like yeah. whiteboards, the whole works. Exactly, and he just doesn't want to do that. He just wants to say yes or no, and therefore I feel sort of uh, paralyzed because I feel like I can't move forward without really dissecting it. So we're kind of at a standstill. And so that's what I would like. To, and this, but I'm talking about one issue, but you know, this would also apply to, you know, whether or not we're going to paint the living room. I mean, it's like, I right. need to just talk about things. Right. Um, and so that's what I would change. I wish I could get Adam to spend more time discussing minutia. I mean, you know, he's wonderful, but we all have our own styles of communication. And that's that's one where I wish I could get him to change. Very diplomatically put. Yes. Yeah. You know, I know exactly how you feel because Jamie is is exactly the same way. And, you know, I want to really like let's sit down and like chart it out and really go through everything. And, and he's not interested in that. So I know. Um, but I think you're exactly right to point to the idea that it's people who have different kinds of communication styles. And so recognizing that you have this need and he has that need. I mean, sometimes you could just say, like, I, I feel like we can't move forward until we sit down. And sometimes that works for me with Jamie. I'm like, I, I will just say to him, it's really important to me to sit down and talk this through, even though I know you don't feel like it. That's what I need. And then sometimes he'll do it because I've sort of framed it as this thing where it's really on me. I've sort of taken responsibility for the fact that this is what I want. But it's a very difficult thing because it's just a very different way of wanting to come to decisions yeah right? yeah i don't maybe i haven't put it in exactly those terms i'll try that so gretchen what if you, so if you could change one thing in a relationship with someone what would it be well see i feel like my change already happened um and it's this like anybody who has uh, knows anything about me or has read the happiness project or happier at home or better than before knows that one thing that has been on my mind for years is something that I wanted to change in a relationship is that I wanted to have a stronger connection to you Elizabeth because you are one of the most important people in my life and you have been you know since, since I was five years old Aww. and but you know you the, the minute I moved to New York like I think two months before I moved to New York City, you moved to L.A. It was yes. like the timing was horrible. And now, as we've said before, like you work full time. I work full time. There's a three hour time difference. We both have kids like it's it's not that easy to get together. And I've done all these things throughout the years. Like now we have our annual vacation that we take with our two families and we try to coordinate holidays and see each other when we can and talk and email. And I was doing all these different things. But the thing that has done it, I feel like, is this podcast because 
now we talk all the time and yeah. um, we have to. And it's so great. And um, th- I mean, this podcast has been such a, a wonderful happiness booster for me for so many reasons, but that's one of them. And it reminded me of something that mom uh, or mother told me a long time ago about making friends or having relationships. And she said, sometimes like if you want to make a friend, it's better to work on a project together than to just try to work on a friendship. Because when you work on a on a project, sometimes you can become friends with people that are sort of unlikely. And also, it just it gives you an activity and something to do and something that, you know, your aim, you have mutual goals and you have stuff to talk about. And, and then you have reasons to constantly be, be connecting. And I feel like even with you, my sister, that's really been true. Like we have, you know, we're like, oh, did you see this article? And oh, you know, what's going on with our stats? And yeah, oh, ha- you we know, get and to we go ha- to the podcast convention in August. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I agree on that front. It has been great for that. And, you know, I was just thinking as you were talking, other siblings, if they have this, you know, maybe they're not going to do a podcast, but they could do other projects together, like make a, you know, uh, online photo album for their parents' 50th anniversary or whatever it might be. Right. That there is this this aspect of doing a project together that's really satisfying and really kind of forces you to keep up a connection in a much tighter way than even we had all the best of intentions. It wasn't like we weren't interested in it. Right. Um, but we sort of needed something to force us. Um, so anyway, that's that's I feel like I feel like um, that's something that has has been on my mind for years. And, and now I feel like it's kind of uh, it's kind of been managed. Well, personally, I'm very glad that you made that happen. If you've had a project that you've worked on, either with your siblings or with other friends, that ended up really being a way to strengthen your relationships, because, you know, really the secret to a happy life is a lot of strong relationships. It'd be fascinating to hear what you did. Were you working on a big anniversary party for your parents or a a, a wedding album for a sibling or... You know, uh, Elizabeth, you mentioned doing the yearbook for the preschool class. Like if you did that with a friend, like what are some things that people have done where a, working on a project together has really deepened their relationships? It'd be fascinating to hear some examples. Okay, Gretch, switching gears. I have another email to read from one of our listeners. Please help. I've always known my husband is not a very affectionate, expressive or romantic person. But after seven years of marriage, I'm realizing how much it makes me feel like he is not even into me. He tries to be romantic, but he's just not very good at it. It's obvious that it comes from obligation to me rather than any sort of adoration of or fascination with me. He's so responsible and helpful, which is its own kind of romance. But am I too influenced by Disney movies or is it right for me to desire him to be enraptured with me now and then? I've even looked for books or articles on this topic to help him understand, but everything I have seen on romance looks like garbage. Well, this is fascinating. And um, there were a couple of other comments that that very much brought up the same issue. And it's such a big issue, in fact, um, that we are going to hold on to that comment and address this issue again in a later podcast where we talk about a super fascinating book by Gary Chapman called The Five love languages, which is, you know, spoiler alert, it's all about how people have different ways of communicating and hearing a message of love for their sweetheart. So that's a really, really interesting comment. And um, we're going to take it up in a future episode. And we have some other comments that were also um, along the same lines in different ways. So we'll play some of those in that later episode, too. We hear someone who wants to change something in their relationship with their grandmother. 
Hi, this is Megan in Dallas. I have a great relationship with my grandmother and love hanging out with her um, and often will invite myself over for dinner, to meet up, for lunch. And I feel like she always says, you're too busy, you're too busy, I don't want to impose, and is afraid to invite me to hang out for fear that she will be disrupting my life. And I just, if there were one thing I would change about the relationship, it would be to, you know, encourage her to, I'm not that busy, I love her, and that I would love to hang out with her and to invite me as well. That is so nice to yeah. hear. Yeah. Um, well, one thing is you might just say, hey, Grandma, why don't you invite me over and just tell her to invite her over. Um, but here's another thing that might work is scheduling. Because a lot of times if we put something on the schedule, then then maybe her grandmother would feel like, well, I know that it's not an imposition and it's not an intrusion into her life because we've planned that once every two weeks we're going to have dinner together on a Tuesday night or every Saturday afternoon, every other Saturday afternoon, we're going to go to the farmer's market together or whatever it might be. Um, sometimes when you, I find, at least for me, that when things aren't happening often enough, scheduling it takes the pressure off. And in, in this case, also, it would be reassuring to the grandmother to know that there really was a place for her in her granddaughter's schedule. Yeah, it's funny, the whole grandparent issue, you know, we, Gretchen, growing up, would go to spend two weeks with, or I would at least, and you did uh, sometimes, go to spend two weeks with our grandparents in Nebraska every summer, and it was such, like, special time. I can't imagine how great it would have been to have a grandmother living close by, as it sounds like she does. Um, And I deal with this because, you know, my uh, Adam's parents live about 40 minutes from us, And uh, Adam, as you probably know, is very overprotective of Jack. And I am trying to tell him we need to let Jack go spend the night with his grandparents without us to have that sort of wonderful grandparent time. I feel like it's one of the greatest things you can have as a child. And not everybody is lucky enough to be able to get it. Um, So I uh, am trying to get Adam to agree to, you know, let go of Jack just a tiny bit and let him go have some fun time with his grandparents. Because it really is, it is such a special relationship. I mean, uh, my daughter Eleanor right now uh, is with our my our parents, uh, with her grandparents in Kansas City for a week by herself before we get there. Um, yeah, and it's like they're making chocolate chip cookies, they're going to Winstead's, they're watching the Anne of Green Gables, you know, uh, the miniseries. It's really fantastic to have that. And this wonderful... Uh, to hear of a granddaughter who really wants to have more of that. So, yeah. um, so she should one. make that happen. Make it happen. So, Gretch, before we get into anybody's happiness demerits, here's a theme in the happiness demerits we did not expect. Hi, Gretchen and Liz. I'm Michelle from Victoria, Australia. This is Bill. I am from Upper Gwynedd, Pennsylvania. My name is Rachel. I'm calling from Los Angeles, but as you can probably tell, I hail from the UK. And I just wanted to weigh in on Elizabeth's voice. Anybody who has told you that you sound like a man needs to look at themselves very, very seriously and award themselves with a happiness demerit. It is definitely female. And I find it very appealing. And the irony of a happiness podcast being subject to such criticisms was not lost on me. And I think the contrast between Elizabeth's voice and Gretchen's voice uh, just works well together. Specifically being a Brit, I love your somewhat lugubrious tone. So, uh, Elizabeth, stay with it. You sound great to me. Liz, you don't sound like a man. Don't listen to them. Thanks. Bye. 
Wow. So that was, those are really nice to hear. And I swear when I said that um, some com, there had been comments about how I sound monotone and mannish that I was not <laughs> trying to get people to, uh, you know, call in telling me that I have a great voice. But since they did, uh, you know, thank you. I very much appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Even though you weren't fishing for compliments, it's definitely nice when people rush to your defense. That it was great. is. Um, so let's hear um, a few demerits that people that people uh, phoned in to comment. Hi, Gretchen and Elizabeth. This is Mary Claire, and I'm from Waltham, Massachusetts. My demerit is to walk every day. I haven't done it. So I have to remind myself to put a note on my phone with a tonal reminder and also maybe on my front door so that I see it as I'm ready to go out to go out walk first before I do anything else. Hello, my name is Fran. I'm calling from La Crosse, Wisconsin, and my demerit is for not taking care of myself and um, therefore ending up sick this past week. Um, thank you for listening. All right. Bye. Hi, Gretchen and Elizabeth. This is Christina from Arlington, Virginia. The demerit would be not treating myself physically well by getting enough sleep, um, eating well, that kind of stuff. Well, Gretchen, I mean, hearing these demerits, I feel like this is what led you to write better than before all about habits because it, it seems like these are all habit issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. The habit of exercise, the habit of getting enough sleep, the habit of taking care, doing everything to take care of yourself, eating healthfully. Right. No, it's like all those all those habits, because we know that they're going to make us happier if we do them. But the question is, how can we actually stick to it? Um, and it was a definite trend in the demerits was that it had to do with not taking care of yourself in some way, in some way, not observing the practices that would allow you to be healthier and more energetic. Um, a lot of people mentioned that. Topic. And I, yeah, and I can certainly relate to those. I think I've had some happiness demerits myself along those lines. Well, yeah, we all have. We all have. And that's, that's why, you know, with the 21 strategies for habit change, it's like, there's so many things to try once you know what you want to do and, and, and figure out what to apply to try to make that change. But these can be challenging. Um, and that's why and a lot of people do feel challenged. But now let's go to gold stars, our favorite thing. We got so many great gold star comments um, from listeners. So here, have a listen. Hi, Gretchen and Elizabeth. My name's Lauren. I'm calling from New Jersey. And I wanted to say my happiness gold star is now making my bed every single day. I can't even get my morning started without doing it. Definitely feel better and more accomplished in the morning. And it's a great way to feel like you're ready to begin the day. Hi, Gretchen and Elizabeth. My name's Samanti, and I'm a medical student in Boston. So for my demerit turned into a gold star, I wanted to share the Pomodoro technique, which has been a life-saving endeavor. Essentially, the idea is that you work for a non-negotiable 25 minutes called a Pomodoro. It's non-negotiable in the sense that if you have any interruption, aka someone texts you, you want to check Facebook, email, call someone back, they all have to wait till you're finished with your Pomodoro. You can do the quote-unquote distracting things on your five-minute break between Pomodoros. I was surprised at how much unnecessary quote-unquote cognitive junk I was able to shoo off. Hello, my name is Fran. I'm calling from La Crosse, Wisconsin. So my gold star is um, that I recently simplified my wardrobe. And so every morning that I get up, 
I, instead of wasting time deciding what to wear, I keep it simple and it has been making me so much happier and at ease in the morning. Hey Gretchen and Elizabeth, this is Bill from Abington, Pennsylvania, and uh, here's my gold star. I actually love driving the car and traffic doesn't even bother me because I discovered that podcasts and listening to music is just a wonderful way to spend time and as long as my destination isn't time bound I just uh, have the pleasure of just enjoying the extra time even if I'm in traffic to uh, continue to listen to whatever it is that I am listening to and it's turned lemon into lemonade for me over a lot of years and I actually many many times look forward to my commuting time. Hi Gretchen and Elizabeth this is Christina from Arlington Virginia and uh, the gold star would be something that I've become better at recently. Um, I used to think I was kind of a weak person. Um, I'm really sensitive, I cry a lot, um, get overwhelmed easily. And lately I've been uh, realizing that I work harder than most people um, to kind of get myself going every day and that's really being strong, not weak. Love hearing all those gold stars. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yes. Gretchen, we have one last gold star. It's from Becca in Berkeley, who we talked about um, her snooze button issue in uh, an earlier episode. Episode 15, and, yeah. Uh, and here's the, fo- she wrote us a follow-up. Do you have it? Becca wrote, I'm giving myself a gold star because I've found a solution to my snooze problem. Since I realized that I was an obliger, I decided I needed to make some kind of appointment with someone else first thing in the morning so that would get me out of bed. So I proposed to my mom, who was always up early anyway, that we be Bible buddies. I call her at 7 or 8 in the morning and we have a quick catch up. Then we read a passage and discuss it and then we pray for each other. It's a great way to start the day, and it's definitely brought us closer together. It's the perfect solution because it gets me out of bed and instills a new habit of reading the Bible on a daily basis, which is something I've always thought would be a good thing to do. So I'm killing two birds with one stone. Plus, it makes us both really happy to check in on a daily basis and share this special time together. We've been doing this for almost a month now, and we've only missed one day. So gold star to both me and my mom for being the best Bible buddies ever. I mean, this is this is such a great solution. She's getting up out of bed. She's get, talking about having like a little project with somebody as a way to grow closer. It's like this little project with her mother. She's reading the Bible every day. I mean, I, wow. I, yeah. I, I mean, it's like brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. And, for, and for an obliger, it's all about what's that external accountability. So she figured out she, her mother's always up early anyway, so she's the perfect accountability partner. I mean, isn't this the most ingenious solution to so many happiness aims in, yes. in, in one thing? Very satisfying. Uh, uh, good for Becca. I hope um, we can all come up with such good solutions <laughs> to our problems. Uh, Absolutely. So big gold Absolutely. star to her and to everybody for calling in and emailing and tweeting um, and sharing with us because this has really been fun to hear from everybody. Oh, yeah, it's been fantastic. You've definitely made us happier um, because we've had such um, a thought-provoking, interesting time reviewing everybody's comments. Okay, before we go, everyone has been so amazing. We have one final special request. Uh, We're announcing our first ever Make a Friend Happier Drive. Elizabeth and I have been podcasting for a few months now, and we are having a great time. You have been the most 
amazing, responsive listeners, and there are more and more of you each week, and we can't thank you enough. Now, the most important thing for a new podcast like ours is to grow. And what works for that is word of mouth. I mean, I know that what makes me watch or listen or read anything is when someone I trust recommends it. So we'd really love for you to help us spread the word. So think of at least one person you know who'd also like the show. Someone who would be, let's say, happier with Gretchen Rubin. And get her or him to listen. Actually help your friend or relative find the podcast and subscribe to it. If they need a lot of help, walk them through the process on their phones. Show them the podcast app you like to use and sign them up for Happier. We've posted a handy guide to subscribing on our podcast on www.gretchenrubin.com podcast. If your friends or experienced podcast listeners suggest they subscribe. This would be the most helpful thing you could do for us and for this new podcast. So please help us out with this make a friend happier drive. And when you're done, let us know. Um, Post to the blog, call us, send us an email, tweet us, or leave us a message on Facebook. We want to hear about it. And really, thank you so much. Um, It really does make us happier. Thanks again, everyone, for calling and writing in. We couldn't include every comment on the show, but they were all thought-provoking and interesting, and we so appreciate your taking the time to weigh in. And just because we didn't get to it today, it may come up at a later time, um, uh, because we definitely keep track of all the comments. Thanks to our producer, Henry Malofsky, and to Laura Mayer, both of whom are in New York, and to Andy Bowers, who's in L.A., And we asked them what they would change in their relationship, and they said they'd like to be in touch more. So Gretchen, maybe with their whole time zone issue, they also need to start a podcast. Oh, except that I guess that's all they do all day long is podcasting. It's work work on podcasts together. Something else then. And remember our special appeal to make a friend happier. Um, So try to help a friend figure out how to listen to podcasts and subscribe to Happier. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. This podcast is part of the Panoply Network. Check out our entire roster of podcasts at iTunes.com slash Panoply. Okay, now I know I just called. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm listening to the next episode, and I just have to tell Adam that my favorite smell is skunk too. And I have only met one other person who said that, and so I'm freaking out. But sorry to call back again to tell you that. This is probably super light. But I just had to let him know that I, I, I catch his drift, you know. No pun intended. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm done. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to be so embarrassed that I hang up. But have a great week. Here you all soon. I'll talk to you all soon, but I'll listen to you all soon. So talk to you later. Bye.